0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Three running backs who showed out and three who disappointed. We're talking 2023 combine winners and losers at the running back position on Rotoviz Radio.
2: What's up, Rotoviz?
1: Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick. I'm joined by Dave Caven. This is the podcast of the walking wounded. Uh, Dave and I both nursing colds or miscellaneous uh, upper respiratory issues and general lack of sleep. So you are getting the absolute best of us in some ways and also the absolute last of us uh, in other ways. Dave, I'm so glad that we can still record because it, it was a weekend full of new data.
3: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I am glad that the uh, prospect workout explorer is seated with all of this new data. There's a couple of players that yeah. I know everyone was going and typing in their names across positions, really um, some interesting performances as we talked about uh, before we started recording, the tight end class proved to be very athletic. Some really, really yeah. impressive numbers at the quarterback position from Anthony Richardson, and of course, we have running backs who we're going to talk about in this show, and some wide receivers too that really uh, proved to be athletic as well.
1: I'm glad you brought up the uh, Prospect Workout Explorer. You know, I, I do see a lot of uh, really good—not just a Rotavism. I mean, there's a lot of good uh, tools out there from various sites. Um, giving you kind of percentile rankings historically of how players did and you know, certain combine events. And that's all very helpful, and everyone's kind of got their own you know, special ingredients that they're looking for in terms of measuring the players against one another. One thing that I like about our tool at Rotovis.com is we take those athletic measurables and we translate it into likelihood of success in a player's first three years in the league from a fantasy perspective. Uh, which I think it, it, not just from a usage perspective or, you know, uh, you know potential snaps perspective, like what is it, this athleticism typically translated to uh, in terms of fantasy production, which is, I mean, after all, why, why most of you are probably listening to this show uh, or subscribing to the site is, Hey, what's it what all I mean for fantasy? So if you're not familiar with that tool, it's a good reminder to check it out. And uh, man, um, I am going to highlight once again, Dave, uh, something that has really changed my whole process, and it's the Epic Epic, uh, Epic Vision Ultra LS800 from Epson uh, in my house, man. Before we hit the top of this segment with Bijan Robinson, I got to tell you about the new cornerstone of my football command center. I've got the Epic Vision Ultra LS800, and it's so good. I'm customizing my entire basement to feature it. It's short throw projector. I didn't have to mount anything to the ceiling. I just set it up on my media stand. I'm ready to go. 120 inch screen. Got to watch the NFL combine on this thing last weekend. I mean, the players were literally bigger than my 12-year-old son on the screen when they're running around. is absolutely nuts. Uh, you've got to check it out, man. If you're a football fan, if you're a sports fan in general, you've got to check it out. You can visit Epson.com slash for more information. Like Epson says, bring the sports experience home. Dave, let's get into Bijan Robinson and actually maybe just a quick reminder on some of the combine metrics that matter for running backs. All yes. right. So today on the site, uh, Bjorn Yang Vernet, uh, who's, uh, one of our up and coming writers over the, really the last two seasons. Now uh, had a great article post on the site, Dave, three running backs who showed out three who disappointed, of course, you know, far more than that competed, uh, in, in the combine this past weekend, but you know, we want to hit the high points and low points and, you know, he kind of sets the table, I think in a, in a really nice way to look at the road of his prospect, uh, uh, profiling, I guess, uh, approach. Okay, so some of the relevant metrics for RBs at our site are size-adjusted 40-yard dash, which is also known as speed score. So if you're reading articles at our site or other sites that reference speed score, it's most likely, um, it's most likely looking at BMI and 40. Uh, broad and vertical jumps, we know that explosiveness factor for running backs is very important. And then the three-cone drill, You know, if you have a low three cone drill or I guess a high percentile, you know, it can indicate, you know, that you're extremely agile and bursty, which are, you know, in a vacuum, good things, as long as running back also has a good feel for playing the position. Uh, We've all seen players that have been, you know, super athletic, killed the combine and you know, the production was never there in college and it never followed in the NFL. So we've got to be wary of those things. And that's why the combine is certainly not the only thing that matters for running back. But It is an important thing for a running back, uh, more so than some of the other positions. We also want to be careful, uh, Bjorn warns us, not to overreact because at the end of the day, players who produced at a young age, players who produced at a high-end Power 5 school, players who are high-end high school recruits, players who get high-end draft capital, players who show an ability to receive the ball, um, you know, there's all types of things there that are still important, you know, if a player's an average athlete, that does—it's not a death knell, you know. If if Bijan Robinson had gone out there, just been totally average, oh, he's better than average, but if he'd been totally average. It wouldn't have changed the fact that he was totally dominant and able to run away from players uh, throughout his college career. So, you know, the combine's part of the special sauce, but it's not the only ingredient. Um, Dave, any thoughts about that before we we break down this year's potential 101?
3: Yeah, the, definitely. Um, a couple of other notes. Sometimes what you're looking at is how a particular player's traits kind of line up. Obviously, it's wonderful when you can have a player that's in the 90th percentile across everything. But there's certain players who their agility you would be more concerned with. Uh, Or other players who's 40, maybe you'd be more concerned with, but it's kind of how they interact. And then the other thing just to kind of point out here is we have so many examples of players that are supremely athletic that didn't pan out. And lots of times what you see is if there's these players that are extremely athletic and they don't produce heavily in college, it's because they haven't they haven't been able to and they normally don't find a way to put that athleticism into use into actual production and then the third point i'll make here is i would just be leery about reading too much into these results or models that are put together on um just measurables because i can tell you that uh if anybody creates like a really super good model just on combine data it is likely extremely overfit meaning it only works on that date and it doesn't export anywhere else. It's just not, there just isn't enough there to really be able to carry it into worthwhile projections of points. So what you can do is you can look at the players that produced similar athletic profiles, consider their context, then do some analysis that way. But you don't want to just look at the numbers run away with them and think that you have a slam dunk.
1: Yeah, I think that's all. Uh, good clarification too. I mean, like I said, and like like uh, you know Bjorn laid out here, you know it it's noteworthy stuff, and we know that the NFL pays attention to it. I, I like to look at the combine um, to make sure that you know players who probably will be drafted high based off of their production, brand name, yep. age, you know the things that we know about them before the combine like to make sure that, you know, they looked the part, you know, is their athleticism on par to be a, a good NFL player? Yep. And then, you know, sometimes there's those big risers who, you know, weren't on the board or maybe we had somebody as a borderline day two, day three guy that really shows up. And now it's like, all right, well, hey, you know, this guy's probably gonna be a second rounder now. Yep. You know, it's it's not necessarily totally blowing up our rankings, totally reshaping our top 50, totally reshaping mock drafts. But, you know, I think when you get past, you know, the elite tiers, those first two to three tiers uh, that we hit in volume one, I think you will see some of those shakeups because, you know, beyond that is where you get out of the elite production profiles into some of the older players or lesser knowns. And, you know, now we can use this combine data, you know, to make some, I think, pretty well-informed inferences around what will happen with draft capital. So that's, that's really, you know, what we're doing here. Now let's get to Bijan. So Bijan Robinson... Bjorn states he was a winner in the sense that he did not hurt his draft stock. I think that's that's perfect, you know. We wanted him to show up as athletic. He he definitely did. He ran a 44.6 40 at 215 pounds. It's a speed score of 109. You know, 110 is elite. So he's you know, he's not quite elite historically, but I mean it's one of the best speed scores in the class for sure. And you know, he overall he had the the sixth fastest 40 and his 10-yard split was was third, uh, I guess tied for second actually. Uh, he was tied with uh, Jameer Gibbs, and and he was a one hundredth of a second off of Devin Achane, who he weighs what like thirty more pounds than. Um, so you know, pretty impressive ten yard split, and it totally it totally shows up. That's why he's able to run away from people. Uh, he's able to get that separation you know early uh, in a carry. And um, yeah, I mean, any any reaction there with Bijan? I mean, you, you basically just didn't want him to show up and be like, okay, injure himself. Number one. Right. And then, you know, you would like for him to at least look like he's in the top half of, uh, of backs in terms of athleticism. Um, otherwise, you know, potentially we're looking at a year where, you know, the first back falls into round two again.
3: Can you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you now. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. So I think what I was saying was, uh, like, Bjorn's take here uh, is absolutely right. I think for many, he was already so far ahead of the rest of players in this class that he just had to come out, do enough to demonstrate that he is different in some degree than most other players out there. He's able to pull in some other nice athletic comps. Doesn't end up finishing as one of these Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley type of players, uh, but still very encouraging. And I think that with these numbers, it's easy now to project him forward as going at probably getting some decent draft capital now um, in the draft and just sits firmly atop the, the running back rankings.
1: Yeah, I think what's going to be really interesting now, um, seeing that he did fall short of of Jonathan Taylor and Brees Hall, like sitting down and is he in the tier with those guys from a dynasty ranking uh, perspective, or is it like a, a coin flip with him and Brees Hall? You know, these are going to be the fun things after you know the dust settles later this week and we've really taken stock of the class. So that's enough on Bijan. Um, another back uh, who really helped himself. Uh, zach charbonnet and you know this is a player that we kind of kept tweaking uh during volume one uh when we were doing our rankings and you know he's one of the bigger backs you know he did he had the transfer situation and then you know he really found himself uh you know there on the west coast and you know, he runs a four five three forty had an average speed score uh but you know he had a above average uh strength and he had an explosion score in the seventy eighth percentile i mean it lines up with the back who you know has a nose for the end zone and Figures to be maybe more of a, a workhorse than a bell cow. Um, so, you know, yeah, it, it showed up. He's just fast enough. Um, you know, and his, his production brought up some players uh, like Rashad White, like Tony Pollard uh, and Jay Ajayi, uh, and, you know, not even adjusted for draft capital. That's just the athleticism. And those are all players that, you know, I mean, and, and Ajayi and, and Pollard's case, uh, very fantasy relevant. And then with Rashad White, we expect him to be, you know, this year and moving forward. Um, what do you have to add on, on Charbonnet there?
3: Well, I, it's actually kind of interesting that you get names of a couple of players here where you weren't exactly sure what was going to happen to them when they settled in the league, how long it might take them to, to get going. Uh, and we kind of see that reflected with, with him here. Uh, I do think, though, it's a pretty good performance. As you mentioned, for a player of his size, I like to see them get over that 100 threshold on speed score. Comes in at a 102. Pretty good broad, pretty good vert. So you're looking at a player here that does have the athleticism to build off of the profile that we saw. Um, I don't know if this, in the end, makes him move a tremendous amount in where my rankings will be. But you definitely... Uh, have a player here that didn't lose any traction. The final note I'll add is we did get an email from a listener named Scott, who is telling us that it's pronounced Charbonnet, but we listened. We, we, before we did these episodes pulled up audio clips and listened and did some research. So I'm going to go with on this one, you know, it's a uh, regional thing.
1: Yeah, we, we will, I think we're going to have to go directly to the player and we will go and listen to some of his interviews uh, from the combine and let him clear it up. Um, unless he's one of those guys that's too nice to correct the reporters and we get multiple right. pronunciations. And we've seen that Tyrod. in the NFL. Yeah. Tyrod who, wait, like,
3: who waited like 10 <laughs> yeah. seasons before telling everybody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so we we appreciate the, the dedication. I mean, the, the listener uh, slash reader very well could be um, correct. And yeah. the, the important thing is that you know, you know which player we're talking about. So uh, we're all on the same page there. Um, (laughs) Okay. Okay. So I want to, I want to highlight Chase Brown. We haven't talked a lot about Chase Brown on the podcast yet, mainly because it's, it's been a deep running back class. He's a little bit older. Uh, He was playing for, you know, a a cellar dweller in the big 10 in Illinois. And uh, as Bjorn notes, he needed to smash the athletic testing and you know he did four four three at two hundred five pounds, and he matched Bijan Robinson's speed score at one hundred nine. So you know just you know uh, a single digit off of that elite uh, number there, and you know definitely looks like he has elite explosion. Ninetieth yeah. percentile results in the broad jump, and ninetieth percentile actually above the ninetieth in each of those in in the vert as well. So overall, his explosion score is in the ninety fifth percentile. So. I mean, he definitely, he, he went from, okay, what is it exactly? Is this guy, is he late day three, you know, dart throw? I mean, he's definitely going to get drafted with that type of workout yep. and, you know, maybe he's going to be toward the, the beginning of day three. You know, maybe now, I don't know if we'll get into day two. When you look at his, his production, he didn't really do much until his fourth season um, in college. Now he transferred after 2018 from Western Michigan over to Illinois. And then, you know, we, he has registered his three sophomore seasons. You know, we had the, the COVID situation and another red shirt in there. And so he's, you know, Unbelievable. A, a, fifth, <laughs> a fifth year, yeah, fifth year junior, actually. Oh, my uh, lord! According to his profile. Um, but he did have back to back thousand yard rushing seasons, a career uh, 5.3 average yards per carry, and 3,500 uh, career rushing yards. And he did have 58 career receptions as well, including 20, 27 receptions for 240 yards in his fifth year junior season for Illinois last year. So, you know, Chase Brown, a name to watch. Will he move up a couple spots in our next uh, mock draft exercises? Not sure he was selected in all four of our exercises uh, for volume one, but I know that I took him in at least one. Be interesting to see if he moves up the board uh, for the team.
3: Yeah. So I think that what you can take away from this is he probably ends up being one of these players who is able to at least stick around with some type of relevancy in that he always looks like he could be competing for a role on a team. After all, he is a player that's 209 pounds, so has yeah. some good size with the 44340, gets to that speed score range of 109, which you have to like. When you look at other players of a similar size that are able to run um, with that type of speed and that are also explosive, you see a lot of players. Um, Kind of in this Jarek McKinnon, Wendell Smallwood, Amir Abdullah, maybe even Travis Homer, Justice Hill type of ilk, who even if they didn't actually hit and take off, um, you know, right away, managed to kind of be sneaking out, hanging out in these backfields, getting opportunities kind of intermittently, which I think for what you might have been able to ascertain from this player earlier is actually a pretty good outcome for him.
1: I like your point about, you know, a player that can kind of hang around. I mean, Jarek McKinnon has hung around for 10 years because he's so athletic, right? Yep. And then he finally then he finally had that year. Um, so, yeah, it's a good note. I mean, I think Chase Brown is going to be an interesting stash up for sure. And if you're looking, you know, to make some selections, like at the very end of an underdog ball draft, like the big board, Chase Brown is a name now. I think you can mix in there, you know, round 18, round 19, round 20 could be one of those players. Uh, when you're building, you know, one of these hero RB squads or two early RB squad, uh, like Pat Carain did uh, to take the thing down uh, last season, yep. and that brings me to, you know, underdog fantasy, Rotoviz and underdog fantasy are partnered. It's pretty exciting. If you use promo code Rotoviz at underdogfantasy.com, we will match your hundred dollar deposit. Uh, you put in a hundred, we put in a hundred, you got two hundred bucks. Right. You got to be a first time depositor to take advantage of that. But we're sweetening the, uh, sweetening the pot, Dave. Yep. For the rest of this month. And we'll see how it goes. It might be something we do all year, but we're going to try it out this month. If you're a first time depositor at Underdog Fantasy and you either want to change your RotoViz subscription or sub to Rotaviz for the first time, get on that monthly deal and we will give you 50% off your first month. So I save 15 bucks on a RotoViz monthly sub. And you get a hundred bucks from us at underdog fantasy, $115 of value for you just because you like us, just because you like underdog. I think that's pretty neat.
0: It Um, is. And
3: on top of that, you're going to get access to some underdog fantasy football tools. Yes. That you might find pretty useful as you start thinking about how you're going to build these teams and then what's going to happen is you're probably going to get pretty addicted to playing underdog because it is so fun and you're going to be spending a lot of time in these tools. Like yeah. Curtis and I did last year when I think collectively we probably drafted more than a 1000 teams on Underdog. <laughs> uh
1: yeah, it was it's probably close to that. Um so yeah, you can check yeah. it out. I mean, go to underdogfantasy.com, use promo code Rotoviz with your deposit, go to rotoviz.com and use promo code underdog for your discount on your one month sub. All right, Dave, let's transition. I don't know if you've got like a sad trombone or toilet
3: flush. What do you oh, got yeah. for us? Oh, yeah. Um, let me see if I can get the right one here. Eh, I think we're going to go with the... <laughs> I <hope it's> wrong. <laughs> Okay.
1: <laughs> oh, we got the snoozer. We got the sad trombone. Yep. Okay. All right. Oof. So, okay. Like, and again... Let's take this with a grain of salt, right? Like we just told you that Chase Brown slayed the combine, but he's not like our RB3 anymore. Or, or like all of a sudden. You know, now we've got some guys who look like they're below average. It doesn't mean they're off our board. It means we need to, you know, look at the information and you know try to draw some conclusions about what we think about their draft capital now, which I think is the big risk. Yep. So the first player that Bjorn highlights is Tank Bigsby. You know, I, I like Bigsby. You know, we have Bigsby rated pretty aggressively. In volume one, um, unfortunately, you know he looks pretty average uh, to slightly below average athletically. Uh, I'm sure he's a player who will come back at pro day and try to improve on some of these numbers. Uh, you know, he did measure 210 pounds, which is good. The four five six forty, I mean, it's a 44th percentile size adjusted uh, speed score. You know, there's plenty of backs in the NFL 44th percentile. You know, it's not like he, he can't produce given that. Yeah. But, you know, in a pretty athletic class or you know, not necessarily an elite athletic class, but an above average athletic class, you know, unfortunately, it leaves a little bit lacking. And then, you know, he looks a little bit um, underwhelming from an explosiveness standpoint, just 51st percentile on the broad jump, 26th percentile in the vert. You know, it's, I would have liked to see more from Tank. Like I said, I think we'll come back at his pro day and and give us a look there. It doesn't change the fact that he was an extremely efficient uh you know college football producer at an elite uh in, in an elite conference at a strong uh program that has a history of putting good running backs in the NFL so you know that does bigsby move down you know potentially one tier with this maybe or maybe he just moves to the bottom of the tier that he was in it will be interesting to see what happens in the next ranking summit you know but we might have a slight error down here
3: Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you're not going to completely write him off because of the performance, but when you're considering him around the other players that were in that range, you know, if you're choosing between a speed score from one player of 109 and another player with a 97, you know, history tells us you're going to do a little bit better going for the player that has the 109, but certainly not a cut and dry type of thing. So it really comes down to, when we sit down, we look at these tiers and who the players that are positioned around him are. I mean, yeah. you still have guys like Tony Pollard and Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams and Tony Pollard actually his second and his third uh, comps based just on athleticism, so certainly not yeah. a death knell by any means.
1: No, I think what what will likely happen for me is is there's going to be some compression between Bigsby, Devin Achain. And, um, and Zach, uh, Charbonnet yeah you know, we had Bigsby above those two guys. I think they're all going to converge potentially. Maybe Bigsby even falls to the bottom of that trio. Um, we'll have to see uh, what happens there. Um, but you know, he's, you know, we had him at nine overall in that first, uh, volume. I could see him settling in like the top couple picks of the second round. I don't think he's going to move, you know, a ton.
3: Yeah. We had a couple exciting receivers, you know, um, maybe some of the other running backs end up kind of jumping him, but I don't, I don't think too radical of an adjustment.
1: I'm going to set, I'm going to set the over under at 15 and a half for his ranking in the Mm. next guide. So, you know, we'll see if he's, if he's earlier than that or later than that. Um, Yeah. So let's go to the next player here. i got to get back to my other screen. I had the guide pulled up Kenny McIntosh. So, you know, Unlike Bigsby, you know, Macintosh had a slightly uh, more underwhelming college statistical profile. He was really kind of a late riser because of such a great squad that Georgia was. Got to see him in primetime a few extra times. You know, he only did one of the major testing drills at the combine and he goes out and runs a 4.62, 36 percentile. And so we have a lot of unanswered questions uh, from Macintosh. but you know, he also weighed in at 204. 16th percentile speed score, freak score, 30th percentile. So, okay. So we've now got minus college production as a four-year player. And, you know, off of the data that we have, minus athletic comps, he's got to fill in, you know, some of these other blanks. And again, what we liked about McIntosh is, you know, his receiving potential. Could he still be a good receiver uh, and and maybe just a, a pass catching only role? Um, and, and not getting a lot of actual carry share, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to see. Um, I think he's going to have to come and just ball out at his pro day because, you know, a guy like chase Brown all of a sudden looks, you know, th- this is where it gets interesting, right? Both of these guys potentially, you know, day three. Okay. Well, if I'm in an NFL GM, yeah, you know, am I banking on the guy that, you know, really stands out when all the guys are playing dodgeball together in Indy, or am I, you know, looking at the guy that, you know, won't even compete in all the drills. I don't know.
3: Well, especially when you come out and the one drill that you chose to do, you put up a very poor number in, and especially for your size, uh, 16th percentile speed score, a speed score of 90, approaching the point where you really don't like to see it. So it certainly raises some red flags, and I think it's probably going to put him into that draft capital trap. Which uh, could really plague his career. So I think this is a case where there's a lot of similar players, or, well, similar players in the fact that they have these profiles that you don't know what to do with. And this makes it a little bit easier to slide him back behind some of those other players, especially when we're in the process of volume two, uh, you know, pre draft, because we have to make a couple of assumptions based off of this.
1: All right. We had. McIntosh at 22 overall. So end of the second round in in our consensus rankings, the other guy that Bjorn highlights in uh his disappointing segment here was ranked 23rd and it was Roshan Johnson, Roshan, <sighs> Roshan. the the backup to uh Bijan Robinson. I yeah, I think everybody, you know, wanted him, you know, they they were looking to him to potentially be, you know, you know, could he could he be you know, like a Rashad Penny in this class, uh, you know, he was lighter than that and slower than that, you know, just average, you know, it's so crazy because, you know, sometimes you watch these players and it's like, it just always seems like they're running people over or running away from people. And that's where I come back to. It's like game speed, you know, play speed, processing speed, you know, that's stuff that the, the film, you know, buffs can help us with, but you know, we can also trust our eyes for your guy who watches a lot of college football. I mean, Rashawn Johnson looks like he's a pretty good player, but, you know, unfortunately, you know, when he's, you know, at the combine with all these other plus athletes, he just didn't stand out in the way that, you know, we had hoped. Four, five, eight in the 40. Um, He did have a really good 10-yard split. So I think that's interesting, you know, that he had a good first step. Uh, And I think that that shows up um, from what I've watched of him. 219 pounds, so, you know, above average weight, which is good. I Just don't get that adjusted score that you would want. His speed score of 100, so perfectly average. Um, he did have a nice broad jump at 122 inches, which is uh, just shy of top quartile. But his vert was 31.5, which, you know, come on, Roshan. Come on, yeah. man. Um, you know, find some lighter shoes, but, you know, that's 16th percentile there, Dave.
3: Yeah, so the good news here is uh Bijon Robinson spoke glowingly about him when asked about Roshan, which, uh, you know, maybe that will help him out a little bit, but and kind of like you said, the reason I was kind of sad here was I thought from watching him that we would get a player that would test it a little bit better and get more interest from NFL teams because he did look like a good player. Um, again, I am not going to punish him too much for this because I'm not really sure how much that uh, that poor vert really matters when balanced with a decent broad jump. I mean, he's still a fine athlete, average uh, speed adjusted size, or I should say side adjust size adjusted speed um, but again didn't really do much to raise his stock in comparison to some of the other yeah. players that we saw so you know I think he was one of the first players that came to mind for me uh, when we talked about guys that um, you know did not show up or that we're gonna have a negative impact of this and it's not so much because he came out and was terrible it's just he needed to do something extra here to garner some more attention given always having a profile that's going to be influenced so heavily by playing behind the best player in the class.
1: Yeah. I mean, I still think, you know, for teams that are heavily film based, um, you know, that, that are looking for that short yardage guy or developmental guy. I mean, there's still going to be an NFL team that likes him. I mean, he could easily end up like in Atlanta as another big back comp, uh, complementary to Tyler Algier or somebody, exactly. you know, I'm just thinking of those types yep. of teams that would want this type of back and he could easily still end up being, you know, really enticing for fantasy purposes, but you know, he's still, unfortunately he's going to remain in that, you know, watch, wait and see uh, situation from a draft capital and landing spot perspective, you know, where so many players that, you know, below like the, that top 18 ish in a super flex rookie uh, draft, you know, once you get below that level, that's typically where, you know, that stuff comes in heavier into play uh, every year, Seemingly, no matter how deep the class is, it's like you get into that late second round, and that's where you start getting a little bit more free form uh, with how you approach each of those drafts. So, yep. there are just six running backs we've got uh, to react to, and we've got six wide receivers we want to react to as well. Yeah, the team has just, you know, really been crushing the post combine uh, analytics for us here and analysis. We will also be in the next week or so dropping Volume Two of the RotoViz Fantasy Football. Uh, rookie draft guide. You can check that out at rotaviz.com. We still have our uh, buy all three volumes deal up there. So if you didn't purchase volume one, you want to get caught up on, you know, 50 plus profiles that we wrote heading into the combine and then automatically get volume two in your inbox. Make sure that you log on to the site today and make that purchase.
3: I'm going to add one more thing in here, Curtis. Those of you that emailed questions in about your dynasty teams, We will get to those. Wanted to get to them last week. Had some things come up. There's the combine coverage. We'll give you takeaways, even if they're no longer actionable, that you're going to carry forward and win some titles.
2: mypatriotsupply.com